Our guest in this hour is Lieutenant General Robert Gard. Lieutenant Gard is Lieutenant General Gard is the chairman of the Center for Arms Control and Nonproliferation. And during his military career, he saw combat in both the Korean and Vietnam Wars. He served a three-year tour in Germany. He also served as executive assistant to two secretaries of defense, the first director of human resources development for the U.S. Army, special assistant to the assistant secretary of defense for international security affairs, and president of National Defense University, the NDU. More than a pleasure to have Lieutenant General Robert Gard with us. Uh, General Gard, thank you for joining us. Good afternoon and welcome, sir. I'm happy to participate. A couple of things, sir. First of all, thank you for your service. My dad was in the Navy in the Korean War, uh, and uh, so I'm definitely uh, one of the uh, military kids out there. And and, uh, secondly, we uh, appreciate you taking the time because obviously you have a great deal of expertise in this issue. Um, Right now, it appears that we are close to a preliminary deal, a preliminary nuclear deal with Iran. There are still issues, some tough issues that may have to be put on the back burner. But there are many that say this is a good first step. Now, yesterday, we talked to somebody who was more on the United Nations side of things. And today we talked to you from a military perspective. Is this pre- preliminary nuclear deal with Iran that does appear close, if it, if it is a deal that is done, regardless of what we have uh, waiting, just the first step, is it a good first step in your opinion, your expert opinion, from a military perspective? From a military perspective, absolutely. It is in our national interest to have a confirmed capability to ensure that Iran does not get a nuclear weapon. And obviously we know that, you know, we don't want Iran to get a nuclear weapon, but there are many that are leery of if Iran will, you know, keep their end of the bargain, if they can be uh, trusted, and and obviously they want to hold on to some amount of enriching uranium uh, for energy and for technology and medical and other scientific purposes. Uh, The world would like them uh, not to have that. Could you explain from a military perspective why Iran? And I say that because Pakistan has nuclear weapons, Israel has nuclear weapons, India has nuclear weapons. We have nuclear weapons. So, you know, a lot of people would say that although they may not like Iran, the world points its finger at Iran. Why Iran? Well, because Iran did engage in secret activities uh, for some period of years. And because of the volatility of the part of the world where Iran is located, this could create a increased spread of even more countries with nuclear weapons. Uh, I understand we have nine uh, countries that possess them now, but let's not go to ten and then if Saudi Arabia and some of the Arab Emirates and others feel they have to match Iran, then you're talking about an explosion of the number of countries with nuclear weapons, which simply creates a, a, a greater likelihood that they might be used. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with the general, Lieutenant General Guard, chairman of the Center for Arms Control and Nonproliferation. Uh, we would love you to check out the website, armscontrolcenter.org. And on Twitter, follow him at nukes underscore of underscore hazard. That's cute. Nukes underscore of underscore hazard. 
instead of Dukes of Hazard. We'll continue to talk with our guest. If you want to join us, 8886-LESLIE is the number. 888-653-7543. Follow me on Twitter. I'll share your tweets. At Leslie Marshall is the way to follow me. That's my handle there. We'll be back after this. And we are back. Leslie Marshall here. Welcome or welcome back. Only True Democracy in Talk Radio of four and by you, the people. Pick up the phone and join us in this hour. We're talking Iran. It seems a preliminary deal has been reached, but tough issues still lie ahead. And that would be put on hold, perhaps, uh, when they uh, this uh, that those issues would be deferred until they reach a final agreement in approximately three months. Lieutenant General Robert Gard, the chairman of the Center for Arms Control and Nonproliferation, is our guest. Uh, General Gard, uh, people might say North Korea scares them. North Korea has tried to develop, and he's, he's even tested, so we know that they have the ability to create a nuclear weapon. Is North Korea a threat militarily to the United States, or, and let's be honest, do we care more about Israel than we do about South Korea, and do we care more about the Middle East than we do about the Asian Pacific Rim? Well, I, I think we care about all of those things, but I didn't have uh, uh, any knowledge of North Korea having tested a nuclear weapon. They may have conducted some conventional explosive tests that could be used in the event they developed a nuclear weapon to explode it. But they've gone no further than that. They certainly haven't tested a nuclear weapon. As far as I know, they haven't, they haven't even built one. They haven't. Our own intelligence... Well, just two years ago... Um, on February 12, uh, 2013, a spokesman for North Korea's Army Command said it con- successfully conducted a third underground nuclear weapons oh, test. Oh, excuse me. I thought you were talking about Iran. No, no, no. no that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm talking, I know we were talking about Iran, but what I'm saying is there are a lot of people that feel that North Korea is more of a threat because they have tests done in 06, uh, 2012, 2013, and three of which in 2013, uh, that we're aware of, uh, you know, are we, do we just care more about Iran because of Israel? But, you know, because North Korea is certainly a hell of a lot closer to South Korea than Iran is to Israel. Oh, yes. I, I'm sorry. I misunderstood. I quite agree with you. We, we stood by with a policy that some called strategic patience and watched North Korea develop its weapon, refusing to negotiate with them until they agreed to complete, verifiable, irreversible dismantlement of its entire nuclear program. Now, that didn't make a lot of sense to me. And at least now, in the case of Iran, we're trying to negotiate an agreement before they develop a nuclear weapon. But, yes, I, I agree Korea is a bigger threat because it possesses nuclear weapons. Uh, I don't think it's likely that they will use them. It is at least my impression that North Korea has enough of a suspicion, justified or not, about the possible aggressiveness of South Korea uh, in combination with the United States, that it develops its weapon for deterrent purposes. 
Well, I I know that the State Department yesterday acknowledged that a central question, the disposition of Iran's large stockpile of nuclear fuel, does remain a subject of debate. Uh, but when I heard yesterday that Sergei uh, Lavrov, Russia's foreign minister, went back to Moscow and wouldn't return today to Switzerland unless he felt they were close to reaching a deal, I was much more confident when he felt there was a strong chance of an accord enough to get back on that plane, and he did fly to Switzerland today for Moscow. He, he said that, indeed. quote, the chances are high, they're probably not 100%, but you can never be 100% of anything. Uh, but it seems right now that some um, of this accord is doable, and, and many people feel that if any accord is, is reached, this is only a positive going forward. From a military standpoint, what about the hardliners and, 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 their, and their worries, the Netanyahus and those in the United States and the world that have the mindset that he does, which is you can't deal with these people, you can't trust these people, uh, the Iranian government, that is? Well, of course you can't, and that's precisely why we are insisting on a very rigorous inspection re- regime. We're not reliant on any, any sense of trust. We would absolutely insist upon the additional protocol that would give the International Atomic Energy Agency full reign for unannounced inspections in any place that they had reason to believe there was nuclear activity. And even though there's a big discussion now about, well, are you going to have a time when the agreement expires in 10 or 15 years, and then there won't be any more inspections? Nonsense. Iran is a member of the Nonproliferation Treaty, which requires them to open their facilities to inspection by the IAEA. That will continue if there is an expiration date in the agreement that the six, that the five powers plus Germany make with Iran. Look at what is the alternative. Right now, we've got the IA in there. We've got Iran not enriching beyond four, two and a half percent, I believe it is. All their 20% enriched uranium has been blended down. They're under inspection. We, We have this preliminary agreement what we're looking at now is a framework for the full agreement that will last for at least a decade or 15 years, and then they will be subject to IAEA inspections. It isn't a matter of trusting them. It's a matter of verifying that they're complying with the agreement. And, and so, you know, a lot of people, and we talked about this yesterday, even isn't Iran bluffing when they talk about, you know, creating a weapon and if they did they'd wipe out Israel? And and speaking of, Israel has so many nuclear weapons. Why is that okay? Because they're our ally and we like them? Yes, that's part of it. Uh you you know, the third rail of American politics uh isn't social security, it's failure to fully support our ally Israel. Now, Netanyahu's gone off the deep end. He's, he, he personally has lost uh, considerable support among the body politic 
in the United States, even though the overwhelming majority of the U.S. population supports Israel. Uh, if, if we decide we don't want to strike an agreement with Iran because uh, we don't trust them, what would the outcome be? We'd have no inspectors in there. We wouldn't know what they were doing. We would probably have to assume, even if they're not, that they are working on a nuclear weapon. Do we want another war in the Middle East? If you bomb them, you might set them back a few years. But you certainly well, my understanding is the amount of nuclear power that Israel has, they, they could erase Iran from the map. Oh, yeah. It's estimated that Israel has about 100 nuclear weapons. So let's talk about the Middle East in, in countries other than Israel. We have al- other allies in the region. I mean, Egypt technically is an ally. Jordan is an ally. Saudi Arabia is an ally. Do any of those countries have nuclear weapons? No, and uh, you, you hear it said that if we strike a deal with Iran, those other countries may decide that they need to at least get up to the level where Iran is with their capability uh, uh, to enrich uranium. My feeling is if we fail to strike a deal with Iran and they're turned loose with no more inspections, that it's more likely that Saudi Arabia and other countries in the Middle East may decide they have to develop a nuclear weapon because uh, they see Iran expanding its influence in the area because we wiped out the power that balanced uh, against Iran when we invaded and toppled uh, the government of Iraq. So we created the opportunity for Iran's expanded influence, and so now we're running around complaining because Iran has expanded influence. We are reaping the results of what we sowed. When we look at the region... What do the other Arab nations, Muslim nations in the region want? Do they agree with us? Some say that Saudi Arabia leans more toward Netanyahu's side of things. Oh, no, I don't think that's the case. The, uh, uh, you mean as far as Netanyahu's? Uh, as far as Netanyahu's opinion of what we're doing with Iran, of this deal. This yeah, deal. I know. that that That's anomalous to me. I think if Saudi Arabia wakes up if these negotiations fail, they will realize they have much less uh, assurance that Iran is not developing a weapon than they would have if we had the agreement. So it, to me, it's a nonsensical position. But now, you think, it, it, now it's okay then with Arab nations, Muslim nations in the region, in the Middle East, that Israel has a hundred or more nuclear weapons and that all of they... And hopefully, if this goes through in the way we want it exactly, 100% in the future, that, that Iran would have none as well. Uh, forgive, forgive me, General, but that doesn't seem fair, does it? Well, uh, you're, you have I'm just saying that if I was an Arab country, for example, if I'm, I, if I'm in charge of Egypt or Jordan, make me King Abdullah for a day, why wouldn't I want to have the same type of 
military capability to defend myself and my small country. I understand Israel certainly more of a target with its geography uh, and it, it being a Jewish state among so many Arab nations. But Netanyahu has, even though he's backpedaled somewhat, he has alluded to striking Iran and other countries first. Oh, yeah. And, and, and you got John McCain saying, uh, as as far as the Iran deal is concerned, Israel may have to go rogue. I mean, it, it look, uh, obviously the Arab countries don't like the fact that Israel has 100 nuclear weapons, but they have them. Now the question is, do they want Iran to get a nuclear capability? Because they see Iran as a more active player in trying to control the region than Israel is. Now, they object, of course, to Israel's reluctance to come to a two-state solution. If you've been in the West Bank, in my own view, there's no chance now the way they've chopped up that area with settlements uh, and exclusive use of roads and the rest. Uh, so for Netanyahu to say, look, I'm not going to come to a two-state solution, I don't think there's any intent on the part of Israel to come to a two-state solution if they have to give up their settlements. But, but at the moment, the Arab states feel that they are in competition with Iran for influence in the area, and it's partly a Sunni-Shia problem, maybe not just partly, maybe that's the major problem, but they, they do not want to do anything to facilitate Iran's exercising more control over the area. Uh, we're asking various uh, questions on Twitter, and one was, should the U.S. be more concerned about North Korea, as I pose to you, General, rather than Iran in terms of nuclear weapons creation and launch? Now, we have some people that bring the religious aspect into things. Uh, Neva tweets, the prophecy says Iran or Persia, they will help get from Russia and bomb Israel first, Armageddon all falling into place. Um, I have read the Bible cover to cover, Old and New Testament, twice. And I have to say, we constantly like to assume what the prophecy says and what nation they refer to because we're in a very different map <laughs> in time than we were then, and nobody seems to quite figure out, just like everybody's always trying to figure out uh, the Antichrist. I'm just putting that in there. You can comment on that if you want. Uh, if not, journal, uh, no worries. Um, and, and did you want to? I, I'm sorry, I missed the question. Oh, okay, no no worries. Let's go to Tom's question. Um, you, you know, uh, that uh, a lot of people do feel that we should be more concerned about North Korea. Why aren't efforts being put forth uh, with North Korea? Because you even admitted that this is a problem. We know that they not only have the ability, but have been testing these nuclear devices. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I have been a proponent of opening up discussions with North Korea, and I don't want to get into a lot of detail to sideline you, but we have given the North Koreans pretext on at least three occasions to pull out of the negotiations because we've either changed our position or moved the goalposts. Even though we, we have even not if we ahead, have not negotiated with the, with North Korea in good faith. Now, I'm no fan of Kim Jong-un or what he's doing. 
neither was Reagan a fan of the evil empire, the Soviet Union, but he negotiated with it and came to arms control agreements with it. We should be negotiating, especially with nations with which we have strong disagreements and distrust. Your toes in the sand, an ice-cold drink in your hand. Waves lapping on the shore as palm trees sway in the tropical breeze. Sound like paradise? This is winter, St. Pete Clearwater style, with 35 miles of white sand bliss and warm gulf waters. Paradise is closer than you think. Visit awardwinningbeaches.com to plan your perfect getaway to St. Pete Clearwater. Voted the best beach in America by TripAdvisor. Want to know the coolest thing about St. Pete Clearwater? We'll give you a hint. It's not the beach. It's Central Ave. This is St. Pete at its funkiest, foodiest, and most fun. It's where street art meets sidewalk cafes and one-of-a-kind boutiques, where everyone is welcome, even dogs, and where the coolest craft breweries meet the city's hottest nightlife. So think outside the beach, get to know St. Pete's coolest street, and experience centralave.com.